Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today is the day, folks, on your screen right now. You can see the Xbox Wire blog press release post. Bethesda joins Xbox, officially welcoming Bethesda to Team Xbox by Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, March 9th, 2021, this morning at 6.30 a.m. Now, there's a lot to go into with respect to this messaging, especially a lot about one of the major questions that a number of you have asked me and elsewhere on the internet, which is what is going to happen to the Bethesda games, the actual games that are going to be available, of course, on Xbox because Microsoft owns them, but whether or not they will be exclusive to Xbox, whether they will be available on places like the Sony PlayStation or streaming probably on the Nintendo Switch or whatever the successor platform might be from Nintendo. And the answer to that is in part going to be in the blog post that we're about to read as part of this video, but Xbox and Microsoft might not even know the answer at this point in time, which is why we're going to take a look at this holistically. Now, if you've been following virtual legality for a while, you know we've talked about this deal for a while. It was first announced in September of 2020. When it was announced, one of the things that we pointed out in that video was that even though these two companies had agreed to the acquisition, it wasn't yet to be closed until some I's had been totted, T's had been crossed, regulators had given their approvals or failed to object. And so one of the things that we tried to point out as part of the actual reporting on this was that the deal wasn't done until it was done. IGN went out the same day with a tweet and a series of articles that basically assumed that the deal had been completed. Here's one from September. Fans are already asking for a Fallout New Vegas 2 now that Microsoft owns Bethesda alongside Obsidian, which caused me to respond that I'd be remiss not to point out that Microsoft does not now, as of September of 2020, own Bethesda. It's unlikely to be an issue, but they still have to get through closing conditions and regulator approval. Closing will be a while. One of the purposes of virtual legality is to hopefully get more and better information about things like the legal acquisition process out to folks that are interested in these kinds of things. And now with the Xbox deal here, you actually have a time frame that you can base it on a little bit. We've got the closing announced here as of March 2021 and the signing of the agreement announced as September of 2020. That's about a six month process. Not unusual, not overly long, but certainly a long enough period of time that the IGNs of the world and the others reporting on the gaming industry should not be assuming that the deal is done six months before it actually is done. And that isn't just nothing. It's clear now after it's been closed to say, well, it was always going to happen. And in all likelihood, it was always going to happen. You don't go out with a press release like that if you think there are major problems to be overcome. But there are problems that can arise. As a mergers and acquisitions lawyer myself, I have been in deals where we have passed what I thought to be the point of no return, where everybody was signed up. We're going to wire money tomorrow. And then one party makes a request of the other party that the other party thinks is beyond the pale. Fights are had, screams are uttered, and the entire deal is scuttled and actually ends in litigation not long thereafter. So you don't count your chickens before they're hatched, but I'm very happy to say that the chickens have officially hatched as of this morning, March 9th, which also leads us into a discussion of what we talked about yesterday. I went out yesterday with a video that talked about some reports that were getting things wrong. The European Commission had approved the deal as we knew it as of yesterday, which is a big, big deal. The European Union was always the more likely to be a potential problem for the Microsoft plus Bethesda transaction. But in those same articles, people were reporting Kotaku, IGN, Games Industry Biz, 
that the U.S. had also approved the transaction. And the evidence they were using for that was the Securities and Exchange Commission filing of an S-4 by Microsoft that related to an entirely different transaction, a note exchange. Nothing to do with this deal. And as we pointed out in yesterday's video, this deal was said by Microsoft to be all cash. No securities are involved. You wouldn't expect anything in, under those circumstances to actually be filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So I did a video that said, hey, this deal could be imminent. In fact, I repeated that in many comments where people came into my videos and said, I don't want the deal to happen. I don't care. I'm happy with the deal. It's a very big deal. As a mergers and acquisitions guy, I love a big deal. But I want to also have good reporting so that people understand what is going on. And the SEC never had anything to do with it. Now that the deal is closed, however, I can give a little bit more background, which is why I think that the IGNs and the Kotakus and the game industry folks went out with what they went out with. And I have to give credit to games industry. They actually issued a correction on their article yesterday. Whether or not they saw what I had said, I don't know. But they did correct it after it was published and say, hey, it's only EU approval. We don't know what's happening in the U.S. because the U.S. doesn't approve things. They just fail to object to them, whether at the FTC or the DOJ, in no respect at the SEC. But I can give you some additional context, which is you saw these big name outlets go out there with, hey, the U.S. must have approved this thing because if they were getting information from their sources like I was from mine, and yes, virtual legality actually does have sources uh, at this point in time, sources that prefer to remain anonymous and sources that I don't use the information of except as kind of background knowledge when I make these kinds of videos, I was getting a lot of noise that the Microsoft folks were busy readying to close, busy getting the wirings ready, busy getting everything, uh, the ducks in a row. And if IGN and Kotaku and Games Industry Biz and undoubtedly everybody else has those same kind of sources, and I believe they probably have better sources than virtual legality, then they were getting all of these signals that the deal was imminent, which means that the U.S. must have quote unquote approved of it. This deal can't close without the regulator approval. So you look at that, you say, okay, if the deal is closing imminently, then the U.S. must have approved of it. Oh, we've got the SEC filing, and now we report it out as such. But that was always wrong. That filing was a red herring, never had anything to do with anything. But at the same time, I was saying in the video yesterday, and I was saying in the comments to that video, that I did believe a deal was imminent, even though at the 11th hour, things can happen, as I just mentioned. But Virtual legality, if it stands for anything, is trying to get more and better information out there. Never said this deal wasn't going to close, believed it was going to close every minute since it was announced in September and certainly yesterday, which leads us to this morning and some very, very interesting messaging from Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox. So let's dive in. Publisher of iconic gaming franchises will expand Xbox's diverse portfolio on Xbox Game Pass. That is the subheading. That's bold. That's italicized. That is the first and maybe only thing you will see if you just jump into this blog post on a momentary basis. And what is highlighted? Xbox Game Pass. Bethesda and many of the other acquisitions that Microsoft has made in the recent history is all based on supplying content for what they hope to be their recurring revenue source and really separate from Xbox as a box, as a box that you put under your television. That is, completely separate and something that they can sell without having to get into this walled garden fight with the Sonys of the world. This is an exciting day for Xbox. Today, we officially complete the acquisition of ZeniMax Media, 
parent company of Bethesda Softworks. And yes, you see me reference it as Bethesda a lot. Microsoft tends to do that as well in some of the headlines they have, Bethesda plus Xbox. But in truth, from a legal perspective, they bought ZeniMax uh, and not Bethesda, which is kind of the game studios that are under uh, ZeniMax. It's an honor to welcome the eight incredibly talented development studios, Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, who gets not enough love in video games, love Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios, and their passionate global communities to the Xbox family. Now we get into some of the interesting stuff. Now that everything is official, we can begin working together to deliver more great games to everyone. There are two items in that sentence that are of import, and we'll see the first kind of repeated at the end of this blog post. That is that we can only begin working together on stuff, on our plans now. You probably heard this in some Phil Spencer interviews if you were paying attention to what he was saying over the last six months. If you weren't, no problem. But he was indicating from a legal perspective that before Microsoft actually owns ZeniMax slash Bethesda, they couldn't control what ZeniMax and Bethesda were doing with their assets. There were undoubtedly covenants in the agreement, promises that Bethesda and ZeniMax made to Microsoft that they wouldn't, say, sell their buildings out from under them or exclusively license their intellectual property to Sony. They would operate in the ordinary course of business. But outside of that promise, before the $7.5 billion changes hands, Microsoft and Phil can't tell ZeniMax and Bethesda what to do. And that makes sense. But it does mean that talk of exclusivity, talk of what the future economics plans are for these games was a bit premature because nobody could actually make those decisions until the deal was done. Now, of course, there's some behind the scenes backroom planning that Microsoft was undertaking. The analysis and setting the price for these assets, for buying Bethesda, all would have been framed on some future models that they think they are going to use to make this money back. But nothing could actually be finalized or put into motion until the deal was completed. The second part is what's highlighted in red on your screen. It's the first reference to whether or not these things are going to be exclusive, what's going to happen. We know Sony fans are concerned about this. We can begin working together to deliver more great games, not to Xbox Game Pass, not to Xbox, but to everyone. The very first reference after we talk about Game Pass and the actual Bethesda Studios is to reference this notion of everyone. Everyone's a gamer. We want to support everyone. You might say, okay, well, doesn't that give away the game, Rick? Doesn't that say that Microsoft is going to sell these non-exclusively? Nope. This is a very well-crafted blog post, very well-crafted messaging statement. A statement like this about a $7.5 billion acquisition that all eyes are on would have been vetted not just by Phil, but by the lawyers, by the PR folks, maybe by the board, by presidents, vice presidents. Microsoft has a ton of people that just look at messaging. And so this is one of the more vetted kind of set of statements that you'll see. And that's one of the reasons that I think it's very interesting. You will see it bounce between these two kind of polar opposite concepts, exclusive to Xbox and available for everyone in a way that is designed to be obfuscatory. It's designed to be opaque. I don't quite know what they're doing. And to some extent, that's to their advantage. To the other extent, I think it's because they literally don't know exactly what they're going to do with each and every game. And we'll talk about that a little bit further in the message here. At every step building towards this moment, I've been inspired and motivated by the creativity, insight, and community-first approach of the talented people at Bethesda. Our goal is to give these teams the best foundation for doing their greatest work and to learn from them as we continue to build Xbox into an inclusive platform for all players. Now that last sentence is interesting again, right? Earlier in this paragraph, you say, okay, they say they want to have more great games to everyone, but... In the last sentence of this paragraph, 
What do they mean is an inclusive platform for all players? They reference the Xbox. So already psychologically in the back of your mind, you're saying, okay, so they want it to go out to everyone, but do they actually mean, and this would of course be justified from a capitalist multinational corporation, that everyone should be on Xbox? We want to build an Xbox that is inclusive platform for all players. So you're already kind of in the muddy middle just from that first paragraph for a question that everybody desperately wants answered. This is the next step in building an industry-leading first-party studios team, a commitment we have to our Xbox community. Not to everyone now. We're talking specifically about Xbox. So if you're keeping score at home, that's everyone. Xbox, Xbox with a Game Pass kicker up in the subheading. With the addition of the Bethesda creative teams, gamers should know that Xbox consoles, PC, and Game Pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games, including some new titles in the future that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players. Now, this is where the rubber hits the road, right? Everyone, Xbox, Xbox, Game Pass, and then what is our commitment? Our commitment is maybe? With the addition of Bethesda, gamers should know. This is what we want to communicate to you. This is important. Xbox and Game Pass and PC will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games. But importantly, the best place as a use of language implies that there is a not best place, implies that it is not the exclusive place. It is not the only place where gamers might be able to experience new Bethesda games. This is then kind of hardened in the second part of the sentence, which says not all new titles will be exclusive, but some new titles, which means that some won't be. As we talked about in our earlier video in the series, when the actual deal was announced last September, one of the really interesting things here is that the economics that Microsoft is pursuing are so different from the economics that Sony is pursuing and Nintendo, but we'll just leave it to Microsoft and Sony at this point in time. There is an argument to be made, especially at a $7.5 billion cover charge, that Xbox can actually make the Game Pass product more attractive by selling games into the Sony ecosystem. If you imagine, let's just take Starfield. You've got a Starfield game that's going to go day one on Game Pass. That's a great value. Hopefully it's a great value. Hopefully it's a great game. I hope for all great games to be great. But it goes on to Xbox Game Pass day one. That's a great value. But if it's also going on to the Sony platform at 70 80 90 maybe even $100, a premium charge on the Sony platform to get access to this game. Not only if you're Xbox, do you get to recoup the value of whoever decides to buy it over on that platform, but you also simultaneously make Game Pass look more attractive because you've got this 70 80 90 or $100 game that comes straight in on day one that you don't have to quote unquote pay for. It's quote unquote free, right? Assuming you already buy Xbox Game Pass and you get that value and it looks even better with it being sold somewhere else. And sales is important. If you're the bean counters, the financial folks, the modelers over at Xbox, the analytics people, then one of the things you're trying to figure out is how do I get that $7.5 billion back? And it's going to take some portion of time. So it's actually more than that because of the cash value of money across timeframes. Right, if I only get $7.5 billion back 10 years from now, it's not as good as if I got it today. And so you're going through all of these modeling processes and you're putting in sentences in your messaging like this that say, well, some new titles will be exclusive. It'll be the best place to play them on Xbox, but we're not committing to anything. And in fact, we're implying strongly that not everything will be exclusive. 
The other factor in this is that Game Pass is nascent. It's new. We don't actually have great analytics, or Microsoft doesn't. We will never have them, but even Microsoft internally, for what it means to have a successful product release as a piece of content on Game Pass, what that looks like, what it doesn't look like. So one of the things you will likely see from the analytics people, the economists over at Xbox that are doing this kind of analysis is potentially A-B testing. Right, let's say you've got Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6. You go out there and you say, all right, we'll put one on Sony and on Game Pass Day 1. We can take a look at what happens to the Game Pass subscription growth. We can look at that, compare it to something that we only put there exclusively. And does that change? Does that change how much money we're making from Game Pass? What does that change look like against the fact that we are not making money from the Sony audience? And again, Microsoft isn't necessarily in the business long term of selling boxes under TV sets. They're still interested in it. They want to maintain that presence. They didn't spend $7.5 billion to burn it in a fire. But Game Pass is an entirely different model. It's a different product. It's a different Xbox, really. And if Microsoft can get more people in there, more eyeballs, and make it more attractive while simultaneously selling into a different market, and thereby making it more attractive, that's going to be something that they look at very carefully. And as of right now, they don't have the experimental data to tell you which way they're going to go. Now, I have my inklings. I suspect that the really big ticket items, the ones that have been spending hundreds of millions of dollars potentially making, Starfield's been being worked on for what, half a decade more? That those kinds of games might be made available on the other platform, maybe even a timed exclusive kind of basis, just pretending that we had paid for a year of exclusivity over at Xbox and then releasing it on the other console. There are so many options for them. And a lot of them don't necessitate not putting them on the Sony platform, that it will be very, very interesting to follow. $7.5 billion is a lot of money. It's hard to go get back. My instinct, as a guy that looks at these kinds of numbers uh, all the time, not certainly in the $7.5 billion stratosphere, but trying to justify acquisitions of this type, would say, well, maybe you don't just foreclose a market that is open and willing to buy from you if you can make your market look even more attractive while simultaneously getting that cash. It will be very, very interesting to follow. And I think what you see here with all of this hedging to everyone, Game Pass, Xbox, Xbox, some best place, not only place, all of this stuff is that Microsoft doesn't know what it is that they are going to do with it yet. And if you are on Sony and you want to play the games on Sony, that's probably a good thing because at least some of them are likely to come over as they test what works and what doesn't work. Doesn't mean you'll get everything. In fact, you wouldn't spend this money to put everything on the competitor system. But because Game Pass is so attractive and because they're trying to make it more attractive, there are reasons to believe that this isn't going to be something that is just locked into that Game Pass and it will be very interesting to see what they do. Continuing with the message, as we shared previously, it's vitally important that Bethesda continues making games the way it always has. Phil Spencer went out with this kind of notion when they originally announced the deal that they want to keep it independent, that we didn't actually spend $7.5 billion to upend the apple cart, to take over management, and to change everything about what they are doing. This sentence also kind of suggests that if they just continued doing what they were doing and made all the revenues that they could as if they had never been bought by Microsoft, that Microsoft believes that they could potentially justify the money that they spent on the product. That's another good sign if you're looking to see those games available in multiple console outlets. We look forward to empowering Bethesda's creative teams to reach even more players around the world, helping make future Bethesda titles the biggest and most popular games in their history. Again, you see that kind of reference that suggests a certain amount of non-exclusivity. 
It's hard to imagine a console-exclusive game being deemed their biggest and most popular when they've been selling ultra-popular games on a multi-platform basis throughout that history that is referenced here. They want to reach even more players around the world. Generally speaking, that's not going to be limited to the Xbox ecosystem. However, showing a little bit of ambiguity here is this last sentence in the first paragraph that suggests that they want Xbox to be where everybody plays games. They, They want to compete. They want to be very, very popular in and of themselves. And potentially a sentence like this could be read to say, hey, when we bring Bethesda on, more and more people are going to come into Xbox, and that's what's going to make the the biggest games in their history. A lot of moving parts here, a lot of interesting stuff. But again, you see a Microsoft team that vetted this statement that doesn't want to commit one way or the other. And, And that's to their credit. I wouldn't commit either if I were in their shoes. I'm not trying to drag them for the failure to commit here. I don't think you can without more of that experimental data. Both as fans and creators... Bethesda understands the potential of Xbox Game Pass. Last reference to really the exclusivity concept, and the last thing they go away with is a reference to Game Pass, just like it's the first thing that they started out with. Then you get some nice lines about Robert Altman, who I believe was a lawyer. Uh, Honor the life and memory of my close friend, founder of ZeniMax. Robert believed deeply in the power of gaming, as we do here in virtual legality, and we are privileged to be able to continue his work by joining forces with the teams he built and led for many years. Thank you to all our players for joining us on this incredible journey and to the millions of Bethesda fans around the world. Now that we're one team, we can start working together on the future ahead. And I think that's an important line. Remember, when we talk about messaging in this space, every sentence, every concept is based on trying to achieve some thought in your audience. This is designed to say, hey, we're moving forward, but it's only now that we're one team that we can really start that plan. Give us some time. We're going to actually only be starting as of right now, which from a legal perspective makes a ton of sense. We will have more to share about what's next for our teams later this year. In the meantime, to properly celebrate this special moment, we are bringing additional Bethesda games into Xbox Game Pass later this week. So expect more Bethesda games on Game Pass, a little Bethesda celebration. Please be excited, and I think a number of you are. I know a number of you on the Sony side of things are a little bit worried that you're not going to get to play some of these big games. I think it's well worth watching. Certainly some of these things are going to be exclusive to the Xbox ecosystem, but a number of them are not going to be. If I had to guess, I would actually think that the higher end, more high profile stuff will not be exclusive and they'll go try to get their money from the Sony audience simultaneous to making Game Pass look better. But each and every one of us will have to wait and see because not even Microsoft knows what direction it's going, except hopefully that that direction is an exciting one. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of things like video games, music, movies, and television, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon. You can do pop-up donations at Streamlabs. We've got shirts to sell. And if none of that sounds good to you, or if you're just new to Virtual Legality, you're not quite sure, you're not willing to commit to a Patreon of all things, just consider subscribing, ringing the bell, leaving a comment for the Google algorithm, and most importantly of all, telling your friends that we're here having this conversation. Every little bit helps. Every little bit of extra viewership, every every little bit of extra subscription helps Google notice us, helps other people notice us, and hopefully, on occasion, helps us get corrections issued in various games journalism outlets so that you have more and better information about the topics that you are interested in. If you watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, 
please consult your own legal counsel.